Welcome to the Rise and Search podcast. I'm your host, David Lovejoy, inviting you on an exploration of the global business landscape. Join me as we discover insights from world-class professionals. Julie Piat, thank you very much for coming on our podcast and speaking with our audience. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, David. I love your name. Is that really your name, Lovejoy? It is, yes. I mean, come on, come on. That's so beautiful. Yeah, so wow, introduce myself. I would say I am a, we were just talking about Florence before we turned on the recording. I think I'm definitely connected to a Renaissance way of living in that I guess I would maybe call myself a life artist. So everything for me is a creative expression and I do many, many different things and it's because it's really one thing. It's one thing expressed in many different ways. So I've played many roles in my life. I'm a mother of four. I've been married three times. I'm an entrepreneur, a creator, a painter, a musician. And one of my most recent expressions is a plant-based food company called Shrimu. I call it the next evolution of cheese. It's artisanal, handcrafted, delicious, high vibrational nourishment. So that's a little bit about what I'm doing in the world right now. Thank you. I would be very interested in talking about your entrepreneurship experience so far, but before we get there, maybe this will overlap somewhat. What are the origins of the name Srimati? Srimati. Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks for asking me. So I'm one of the type of humans that came in with the gene where I've always been exploring what is beyond the body, you know, very interested in death and what happens. Why are we here? So you could say about me, she left no stone unturned, which means that I have studied with many different traditions, many different masters, teachers, shamans in many different lineages. And Srimati actually was given to me by an Indian master that I studied with. I had forgotten that I had checked a box off on a form that I would like a spiritual name, not understanding that I would get it that afternoon. (laughs) So when he called me up, I was rather taken aback, but I had really wanted this to take on a spiritual name. And, you know, many times in the Native American traditions, you know, as the human grows and goes through different rites of passages, they take different names. So it's very common for them to, you know, transform as they go throughout life. And much in that sort of tradition, I've had about more than 23 nicknames in my life. But Ma Ananda Srimati, which is my spiritual name, was given to me by an Indian master. And it's extremely dear to me. I was in a point that I had split from a different spiritual teacher in a very violent way, not what my personality would have chosen. And I was in a bit of a dark night. And as it was explained to me was the spiritual name is three things. It is the being of who you are. It is your path to enlightenment. And it is also your goal of enlightenment. And so in this exploration with this teacher that I had broken up with, much like many people break up with lovers, I have had this breakup with spiritual teachers. And it was really giving a hardness, a constriction and a weight on me. And when I was given the name Ma Ananda Srimati, this guru said to me, this name means blissful, beautiful, and fortunate. And he said, now be that. And at that moment in my life, it was like 10,000 bricks flew off my back and a very beautiful blessing that was given to me. And so it's a very dear name. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. 
What does the phrase life as alchemy mean to you? Oh, Gall, it's really everything. I mean, as we remember that we are powerful creators, that we exist in simultaneous time and space throughout the multiverse, there's only a part of us that is incarnated in this human form that is David and Srimati and Julie speaking to each other. And so for us to remember that we are powerful creators and we are alchemists, and really the alchemist doesn't waste any kind of substance. So being an alchemist means being able to go into life experiences and to use the blessing, the mana, the fuel of the experience through the emotions, the events, and really the life experience and really turn poison into wine, use the perspective, use the heart, use your will, your intention, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your artistic expressions to really craft a life of meaning. I would say meaning often life doesn't turn out the way our personality would choose it. But I think for me, the quest is to live a life of meaning. There's this movie I love called Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell. And she very much reminds me of my grandmother. And there's a line in that movie that life is a banquet and most poor suckers are starving to death. And it sounds similar to your leave no stone unturned and basically just being present in your life and being along for the ride. Definitely. I haven't seen that movie. I'd love to check it out. Okay. You know, it is our privilege to be alive in a human body. And there are many horrors that are arising, that are happening as you and I are recording this podcast. And so it's important to be clear about this realm that we have chosen to participate in its becoming as we live it into more life, into more expansion, into more love. And also to understand that the opportunity that we are holding, if you are alive and you are breathing and you are well and you're listening to this podcast, it is a privilege to be alive in a human body and really a maybe directive to really use those moments well, to really don't waste it, don't leave anything, don't leave anything undigested. Duly noted. I'd like to talk about your spiritual retreats and the journeys you take to Egypt in particular, and this concept of power spots I came across in Japan, that each place has an energy. Now, I was curious if you have experienced that, and if you could talk at all about like why you chose Egypt, what it is you do there, etc., yeah, definitely. Beautiful. So there are power spots all over the planet. And of course, Egypt is a very powerful vortex because every human alive on the planet has origins in Egypt. And from my perspective, Egypt would be the closest civilization time of human evolution that is connected to Atlantis, which is the galactic empire when at the point of its height, we were living in communion with our divinity. And so traveling to these power points allows you to be this physical acupuncture point that is maybe the ground crew, you could imagine, for your spirit and soul to retrieve memories, talents, abilities, codings, activations that can allow you to expand and amplify your experience of living a human life. So PowerPoints are 
are very, very profound. You know, of course, the ultimate is inside our own body. Your body is its own self-sustainable ecosystem and is a temple of divinity. So this ascension or this awakening that is happening on this planet is also happening inside of each one of us. So I don't want you to feel if you can't go to Egypt that you're lost or if you can't travel to Japan, it's really happening all inside your heart. And traveling to these vortex points where our humanity, both past and future, have engaged in ceremony, you know, experience dreams, feeling, evolution, you know, they are activated and they allow an access into different timelines that we may not be easily able to connect with in another place. Thank you for that. I'd like to talk about the concept of pain. It seems like we're often, we want to avoid it or we want to escape it if we're in it. And yet it seems to be such an intrinsic part of the overall experience, almost like the fertilizer that makes the soil ready to sprout plants or what have you. How would you describe pain in our journey? Yeah, really great question. I mean, being somebody who I have suffered from physical pain for over 30 years. So I have an energetic condition that visits me once every four to six weeks where I have massive head pain for three days. And you can bet I've tried every single thing under the sun to clear, heal, transform, change. It's just the way my system runs. It's like there's nothing I can do about it. So I always like to be transparent about that because I don't want somebody projecting on to another that, you know, somehow we avoid pain, you know, if we have some sort of spiritual connection. And yes, I mean, isn't it true that we as a humanity really evolve through the challenges of our life, the painful times of our life, the times when we're on our knees? the times of death, of loss, of divorce, of collapse. It's in this complete crumbling of what we thought was real that we are able to access the really beautiful, deeper, constant, everlasting, eternal aspects of what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience or a multidimensional being having a simultaneous experience. But that's not to say that we can't learn through joy. We also can learn through a life well-lived, an expression expressed with great heart and commitment and consciousness and intention. So I think it's both things. And if you find yourself on your knees, I would say you are in your sacred moment and don't waste it. Again, it's as if you can turn that poison into wine you can receive the gift, the message, the expansion, because ultimately we are eternal life forms. And it is only this body in this realm up till now that drops, but your consciousness lives on. And that is the divine birthright of the human being, the angelic human being. That's interesting. I never thought about learning through joy. So thank you for that. I'll try to maximize my experience. I think it's really important and something that can be a magic tool for us right now. So I'm just going to comment a little bit on that, David, is sure. that remember, even though it's a shitstorm out there and, you know, I mean, the amount of intensity in the last couple of weeks, we're recording this on August 31st. So we've just come through another portal. I just went through another death experience. We're going to be going through death experiences, many of us, while we're still alive. We're not leaving our body. But if we really understood the magnificence of what was happening, we would be celebrating. Because 
if you, you don't have to be psychic, you don't even have to be spiritual, you can see the lower vibrating experiences that are being perpetrated on this planet. And in order for it to stop, we have to wake up, we have to come out of it. And so remember to dance, to sing, to celebrate, to realize that you can learn and create through joy. And the other thing I want to share is that your way to Jedi this very tumultuous time, very tender, very raw time, remember that your transcendence is in the moment. So if anybody tells you they know what's going on, they're not aligned because the field is moving so rapidly in every single way. It's like we can't get our footing. You know, we can't get our footing. But remember, you can just really be present in the moment and you can transcend the turbulence and understand that the earth is a beautiful galactic star and she's going through her own transformation. And your greater being, your higher self is taking care. So you're not all alone. You're not all alone. And we are the ones we've been waiting for. And this is the time that we took a human body for. Okay. I'd like to talk about food. Yay. (laughs) What is it that you do and why do you do it? Yeah, good question. Well, it's one of the things that I do. I was never going to go into food, but I've expressed myself as a mother. I was born astrologically in the house of cancer. I'm also cancer in Vedic. A lot of people feel a mother energy from me. And I've been one of those people that I could always cook for 50 or for two. Didn't matter. There's no biggie. And I just really commune with ingredients in a very pure, simple way. So if I excel at anything, it's at simplicity. It's about removing what is excess and letting mother nature really shine. And so out of a love affair with my husband, who started doing double Ironman races, eating plants, his name is Rich Roll. At one point in the evolution, I realized that I could really support him in this endeavor by making some really delicious meals. And so this love offering turned into three published cookbooks. I've created about 400 plant-based recipes. And during this process, I crack the code, as Rich says it, on plant-based cheese. I absolutely floored myself at the quality of the product I was able to achieve that is cheesy, tangy, tasty, full bodies, reminiscent of all the French cheeses we love, Italian cheeses we love. You know, we were talking about we have this great affection for Italy and I definitely have, you know, deep threads of connection in Europe. And when my European friends started begging me for my cheese, I realized I was on to something. So it took a while for me to decide to launch my company, Shrimu. And it's because I was a fashion designer in the 90s. And so I know how to produce. I know what production is. And I know the waste of production. And I know the other cost of production and also the exhaustion of production. And so I really waited because I was like, I don't know, like, do I want to go in that business? Mm -hmm. And I'm at a place in my creativity where I finally created something that is highly scalable that is in an industry where Srimu has the timeline to be a billion-dollar entity. And why is that important to someone like me? Well, I am in communion with a spiritual community in Northern Italy called Dominher. And Dominher is a conscious community that has been in existence for over 40 years. And they built something called Temples to Mankind, 
inside a mountain in secret. 50 people worked 17 years, 24 hour shifts without missing. And they have built what the Italian government calls the eighth wonder of the world. It's 8,000 square meters of alchemy, magic, art, music, sculpture, painting, mosaic. And the first time I walked in, I wept at the beauty. So this existing temple, which is an homage to the earth and all of her species, in one of the temples called the Labyrinth, they have an altar to every spiritual lineage that ever existed on planet earth, every single one, hundreds. And this temple is portraying all species on planet earth living in harmony. But this temple is only 20% of the operation. So the remaining 80% of the operation is a living Akashic record or a museum that will go on top of the land where these temples are. It's called the Parliament of the Peoples. It took them 20 years to get permits. It's a futuristic temple which will house the indigenous DNA of planet earth. The budget for this project is $88 million. And so the big why of Srimu is to create really the community, the resources, the humanitarians, you know, those of us that really care that we really want to do something extraordinary. And it is my directive, and I feel very aligned to this mission, that I will gather the cosmic family that will create this with me, with many others. And it's something that's in my history, which is quite interesting. I was raised in Alaska on game meat. My dad was a hunter. And my dad served the indigenous of Alaska for 47 years. He was their structural engineer. So he built most of their schools, hospitals, art centers. And the last project of his life when he was 89 years old was a modern museum designed by David Chipperfield, who's a famous London architect. And my dad was the owner's rep on this project which means he worked for the Native Association directly, saving them money, making sure that they were not being taken advantage of on every line item. And so my dad passed away, I guess it's been maybe seven years now, and he left his body at 92. And I never realized at that time that we had a common mission. And so this history of building and lineage and these big public buildings are directly connected to the big why of Shrimu. If I may, seven years ago, when your father passed, did you notice a transformation in yourself? Like you passed through a portal. My grandma passed last year and I felt something similar. Like I came into a different version of myself that could only have happened after that moment. Isn't that beautiful? So beautiful. You know, in my case, David, it was, you know, the universe has great humor. Then that's the thing. We have to remember to laugh, laugh at ourselves. And, you know, really, I mean, the level of universal humor is quite high. And here I had lived as this vegan yogi daughter of this hunter, you know, man taking life with his guns. And we had a lot of conflict between us. We also had some really beautiful moments. And he was a very present dad, married to my mom for over 60 years. But I, I just never, ever realized the role we would play together. And so as he came to the last years of his life, he called me one day to tell me that I had been a good daughter, which was so generous of him. And I was like, Dad, thank you for telling me that. And it's so generous of you. And I didn't need it. I knew we were perfect for each other, even in our adversity. But at that time, I said, Dad, I'll do everything I can to help you die. 
he had told me, I'm done. He wasn't sick. He was like, I'm done. I'm out. I can't fly my plane anymore. I don't want to live in LA. So he became ill soon after. And I was able to sit with him in the hospital. And I started doing my work of removing his body, his energetic body, because he had given me permission. And we ended up holding vigil for him for a week. He was released into hospice and we sang. We sang original songs and kirtan and folk and all the kids and the grandkids. And we were all with him. And I was with him when he took his last breath. And, you know, I told him, Dad, you know how to go on an expedition, like better than anyone. You're going on the biggest expedition. And so the energy that we surrounded him with was thank you. Well done. You know, we're so excited for you. Like, it's been amazing. And, you know, I asked my mother, what would you like? She was raised Catholic, being a Latin woman from Chile. And she just said, oh, honey, just do what you do. Just do your thing. So I built this altar to my parents. I created some rose water. And my sister and I, when he passed, he actually had his mouth open and the hospice were apologizing and they were saying, we're so sorry. This is what happens. I was like, no, it's fine. And I had some Ganges water that my friend Deborah had brought me from the mouth of the Ganges. And so I started to pour it in his mouth as his last drink with this earth and miraculously, his mouth started to close and close and the hospice were freaking out. And he ended up with this beautiful smile. My sister and I washed his body in rose water. We swaddled him in a beautiful cloth that I had bought. And I adorned him with rose petals and my mala and, you know, all these things of devotion. And we stayed with the body as long as we could, you know, a day. And then the next day, my mom said to me, you know, what would I have done? Like, if you didn't do that, like, what would I have done? I mean, 64 years, you know, and literally for months afterwards, I would have to stop the car and laugh hysterically because I know a lot of spiritual people and I don't know anyone that died the way my dad did. And what it taught me was that we don't know who anyone is. We're all playing these roles in these different personalities and His and my bond was deep and we really sort of resolved our differences in that experience. And I'm not quite sure what I gave to him or what he gave to me, but I think it was a very, very deep exchange. And so, yes, I feel like we gain energy from our lineage, from our ancestors. And it's not always like, again, like I didn't have an easy relationship with him. It wasn't easy. But again, it was meaningful, right? It was deeply meaningful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Talking about your ventures, you have many things that you're involved in, and you seem to be doing very well in just about all of them. I was curious, how do you balance your energy and your time? Do you just, like you said, go with the flow and one thing informs the next? Could you talk about that a little bit as we're all kind of multitasking these days? Yeah, David, thanks. So again, What I share in my Water Tiger community, where I mentor us with some of these spiritual principles and also techniques that I record, which allow you to drop into different states of consciousness. So for me, it's not a list. It's not a one, two, three, four. If we can think of ourselves as living spheres of energy, right? So we're like a light field. So you're like a planet, right? And in that planet, are unlimited potentials. And so from this point of identity, from Julie or Srimati, 
I've sort of, I'm interested in these few things that I've got my gaze on. And so how I imagine it is I just imagine that I'm a buoyant uh, sort of dancing energy. So let me just go through my morning. I'm up at 4.30 naturally. I go into a meditation in the hot tub. I see the sunrise. I have tea ceremony. I'm chanting, connecting with the goddess. I'm playing sitar and writing some music. Then I'm in a writing session journey to grab a tea with my musician's son that I'm collaborating with. Then I take a call from Rich, who's on a flight back from Switzerland. Then I have a meeting with an attorney regarding some issues with Shrimu. Then I have a meeting with my accountants about my children's tuition, you know, household admin things. In between all of that, I cleaned out a closet. And then after you, you know, there's other things that we'll do. So you see, like, none of those are actually related. Like, they're not one, two, three, four. Right. And the other thing that I want to share is by living that way, it's like, I play sitar every morning for about 15 minutes. And I get good playing 15 minutes a day. It's not that much time. You would think in your human self, I don't have enough time to do that. So it's taking me longer and... Sometimes it's overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. But I guess the other thing is I'm highly aligned and coherent to what I do. And so I trust the force that is animating me. And I know within Shrimu, it is my duty to show up in full presence in each moment. But I do not have the illusion that I am all alone or that anything that happens to me is because of my personality. Hmm. Well, you have just convinced me that I need to start playing piano 15 minutes in the morning. Yay! Thank you for that. I'm so glad. I can't wait to hear what you create. Okay, I'll share it. You mentioned earlier about the vibration in food, and there's a vibration of sound in music. And I was curious, could you connect those for us? Yeah, definitely. So, well, there's a vibration in everything. And what we're maybe starting to remember is that sound is the most powerful force in all creation. Planets can be created with sound. Pyramids can be built with sound. Planets can be destroyed with sound. And it was interesting because in my meditative experience, what was coming through was the using sound to set up energetic fields. So you could call them manifestations. Maybe the lay term would be a manifestation where you would think of what it looked like. But what I would present is that you can tone the space, tone the creation through different sounds. So the frequency that is in Shrimu, and Shrimu is vibrational nourishment, the food is a vehicle and food is one of the most sacred ceremonies and rituals that we have as human beings. And so even letting that statement sink into your being, no matter how you eat, no matter if you're a meat eater, like it's not about that. It's about how are you entering into relationship with your food and understanding that it's two ways. So I can give you this frequency through Shrimu and the way you receive it is half of that relationship. How are you receiving your food? So, you know, there's 
many reasons to have a judgment or be like, you know, oh, that person's praying over their food. Like, you know, that's so annoying or not authentic or whatever. But you, you don't have to make a big deal about it. But it's just like, could you take a minute and breathe and switch your orientation to receive the food and think of the mother earth that made the food and the hands that created the food and the lineage Mm. that's gone before. And then just maybe say, okay, allow this food to nourish my body exactly the way it needs to. That's all. It's quite profound. So everything that I'm creating in Shreemu is a frequency. So we consider each box because it's largely a subscription offering. It's not in very many wholesale stores. That's not really our strategy. We're building community. So each box is this opportunity for communion. It's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. I guarantee you people will be mind blown in many ways. Doesn't matter how you like to eat, but it can be a communion, like an experience of bringing us together. And so I like to say that each box activates 13 people at Shrimu. And we're really looking for those connections. And I've, I've had people write in saying their gut health got healed. One of my favorite quotes is after eating Shrimu, I felt like a better person. And the frequency that it's infused with is not my frequency. I'm not trying to ask anyone to be like me. That would be idiotic. We are all completely unique. There is not another one of David in the entire Omniverse. So if you don't fulfill your expression, that piano that's waiting to come out of you, is not like, oh, no biggie, the other David will do it. No, there's not another David. It's only you. So this allows us to understand the preciousness of who we are. And as a journey that as we fully receive that preciousness and we come to receive ourselves as literal walking embodiments of the one breath, the God, the force, the goddess, then we bless all creation simultaneous. It is about all of us. It is about the community. The catch is that if we haven't received ourselves well enough first, it will be miss, it'll be misaimed. It won't land. So that's a little bit more about frequency and food. Yeah, thank you. I like the Japanese phrase, it's short and sweet, itadakimasu, and it basically conveys a thankfulness for the fish in the ocean and the farmers and the restaurant serving you, etc. But then you mentioned also the personal side of receiving it as well, which I think is really important. I'll try to be more conscious of myself. Yeah, I love that blessing. I've never heard that. The other thing is to remember that as we are alchemizing our life, your secret sauce are your emotions. So do you feel it? You could say whatever you want. You could say pigtail if you feel it. Are you feeling it? Is it landing in you? Do you mean it? Do you mean it when you said it? That's where the power comes. Did you just make that up or did you hear that somewhere? Your secret sauce is your emotions. I no, like that. I, I just said that. Okay, that's a good one. That'll go on the quote card. My team will probably be like, grab that. It's funny because when I do posts, they just, they're always bummed if they don't turn on a recording. (laughs) So yeah, that's part of how we capture, but thank you. how you roll. Speaking of which, you mentioned that you collaborate with your husband, a well-known podcaster, Rich Roll. Could you talk about what that relationship is like? Like, how do you collaborate? Do you have particular things you work on together? Is it very much like your schedule? Just whenever you're on a call with them, you wind up synergizing. 
I mean, that's really big. Well, I would say, you know, in the early days, I alchemized him into the embodiment of his heart's desires. I can say that with certainty. And he will tell you the same. I didn't realize it was going to take so long. (laughs) I have this very resilient sort of outlook, which is one of my superpowers. But we went through a very intense dark night that is chronicled in at least his version of it is chronicled in his book, Finding Ultra, which has now been published in, I don't know, 10 languages. I have yet to write my memoir about my perspective of what happened But I would say that we are very opposite individuals. We are not the same frequency. And we are collaborating together, igniting something greater than each one of us. And so we've been together 25 years now. We have four children together. And we don't really collaborate with each other. He's not part of Srimu. I'm not part of his podcast. Other than that, I've guested on it over 50 times by now. So if you guys want to hear more about it, but it's kind of beautiful. I mean, again, it's this opposite creates this alchemy, which creates this attraction. But I wouldn't say we don't put our foot on the earth the same way. We don't have the same perspectives about things. But I guess the deep values we do, like the way we raise our kids, the deeper things we align with. So I'm really not collaborating with Rich. I'm recording an album this year. He's deaf. Rich is not musical, actually, in this incarnation. But yeah, now we're sort of at this new moment where our two youngest are in college and boarding school. And we're starting to commune more together and just sharing and taking our living relationship into greater aspects of what it can be. So we'll see. That's great. So it sounds like opposites attract, but there's enough overlap where you have that connective thread that allows you to maybe inspire each other. Definitely. And you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw this documentary. It's called, I think, The Last Movie Stars. It's on Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And something that was said by someone, I wish I could remember, it was at Gore Vidal. He was saying that they were so different that that difference allowed them to see each other so fully, that that's what allowed them to stay together. And a lot of similarities. It was very interesting, you know, not always easy to be in a relationship with somebody that is so different. But again, I would say deeply meaningful. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And from both of your ventures, it certainly seems to be working. So congratulations (laughs) with a quarter of a century, hopefully another quarter of a century and more ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anything, Julie, that we didn't get to touch on that you'd like to highlight? Well, I mean, I just like to let people know that I am taking two groups to Egypt. The first week is the 29th of October through the 9th of November. And then I'll be taking a second group the 11th of November through the 22nd of November. It's a very small experience and it is a spiritual pilgrimage. Not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but usually there's, you know, one or two spaces left. Their groups are almost full, but I kind of, stop promoting a lot because I like just the universe to bring who the person is, you know? So all I can tell you is I've traveled all over the world and this trip is just not to be believed. It's literally 
mind-blowing, heart-blowing, life-changing. It's insane. An insane. And anyone who's listening, save your money and get to Egypt. You got to go because it's unlike any other place that I've been. And then the other thing is just you know, if you're interested in going deeper in some of these spiritual concepts, I invite you to check out Water Tiger. It's my spiritual mentorship program. Currently, there's about 300 people in the portal international. It's such a high vibrational group. It's safe. And you don't really commune with anyone else. I give a two hour talk with many, you know, similarly to many things that I've shared on what's going on relevant to the time. And then I have over 50 techniques in the portal that are meditations, which allow you to drop into the gap, all for different things, for health, for embodiment, for creativity, for boundaries, for multidimensional connection, for nourishment, many things. So yeah, so check that out on my website. And Srimu as well is available on your website. Yeah. So Shreemu, like I said, is primarily subscription. So we have about eight offerings and we'll deliver right to your house. So that's all for the US and Canada. And it's shipped, you know, fully iced in a cold pack and it ships next day air. The wheels freeze beautifully. And again, you can choose the frequency and also order one-time boxes for special events. But I do call it the next evolution of cheese. It is kinder for our bodies, for our animals, and for our planet. And we are now really in the times where we must take heed of what we are eating. What are our choices of lifestyle? What are we participating in, I guess I would say? And even you know, whatever you're doing, you're giving your consent to it. And everyone is a sovereign being and has the right to choose. But you also have to take responsibility for your actions. So there is that. So anyway, I invite you to join us and love to hear what you think about it. Well, Julie, thank you very much for speaking with us. It was a fascinating journey. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rise and Search podcast. I hope that our conversation has sparked some new ideas and given you valuable insights that you can carry forward in your own journey. Until next time, eyes on the horizon. Mm-hmm.